Hey everybody, this is the MMA Spectator. I am John Gibbons, and thanks for tuning in. Today we are here to talk about the UFC Vancouver card, Donald Cowboy Cerrone versus Justin Gaethje. Um, a lot of interesting fights, and I think we're going to see a lot of changes within the UFC from this card. comes down to, I think we got two fights on here where I, the loser will see them get released from the UFC. Everybody knows that the UFC is, the numbers are kind of down for fights, even free fights. So I think they might be looking to clear up a little bit of that roster. And some guys coming off of a couple more losses than what a lot of fans really want to see a fighter at in the highest promotion, I think those guys might, you know, find themselves in a tough spot. Um, anyways, let's jump right into it. We got Luis Smolka at Phantom White taking on Ryan McDonald. Ryan McDonald lost his UFC debut, but the guy is 10-1 and overall record. But Luis Smolka, he's definitely got some UFC experience, but he went 1-5 in his last six fights. He's 15-6. and um, This is definitely one of the fights that I really think the loser will get cut. Um, you don't really want to bring in a fighter who's 0-2 in the UFC, somebody that isn't like a huge name, maybe not quite as big as CM Punk, but you know, let's say a Bellator guy comes over, former champ, and ends up losing two fights right away. It's really no big deal, but for a guy that not a lot of people know, um, not going to look too good. And then Luis Smolka, one in five in his last six. If he loses another one, um, I just I don't see them keeping him around. I'm not sure what on his – I have to look up what he's made in his last couple of fights, but um, – I'm guessing around 35 and 35 showing when I could be wrong. Um, but I think he's going to get that done by decision. Um, so there's my pick on that fight. And then we got uh move to a featherweight fight. Chaz Skelly, 17 and three, two and three in his last five. But those three losses are against extremely tough guys. Uh, Darren Elkins. Um, everybody knows the guy uses his face to block punches. Uh, then he fought Knight and Moffat, uh, three very tough fights to, you know, lose really no shame in those. Um, he takes on Jordan Griffin, 17 and six, another guy, just like Ryan McDonald lost his fight, but via decision in his UFC debut. Again, same thing, as I said, but the last one, I really don't see the UFC keeping a guy who's 0 and 2 coming into the UFC. This is another fight where I really think that the UFC might cut the loser, whoever loses this fight. Again, this one and the last one, unless if they're absolute great fights, um, you know, both guys will probably keep their job. But Chess Skelly's probably right around the same as Luis Smolka as far as payroll goes. Uh, you're going to get a you know a tough fight out of the guy, but again, probably going to be trying to cut some cut some guys here and there, and, and lower that roster a little bit. Then we move on to Bantamweight. Uh, Brad Katona taking on Hunter Azur. Hunter Azur is making his UFC debut, 6-0-1 overall record. And then Brad Katona, 9-1, 2-0 in the UFC. He is probably one of the bigger prospects that the UFC already has, who is fighting on UFC cards, not for, you know not on the Contender Series. Uh, he was on the Ultimate Fighter Huge prospect, and something I'm going to get to later when I talk about the Cerrone fight, about a guy who I think was pushed a little bit too soon in Alex Hernandez. Uh, Brad Katona, 
he's lucky that he's in the bantamweight. The next two years are probably going to be a really feeling out, figuring out um, who the next couple lineup title fights are going to be. Uh, so that really gives Brad Katona some time to get a couple more wins under his belt. Like to see him fight two, three times a year for sure. Try to rack up some wins against some lesser known guys. Uh, he's not ranked in the top 15. I think this fight is not going to get him in the top 15, but his next fight, I would like to see him get a number 15 or a number 14 and then crack in that top. So down the road in two years from now, he's for sure going to be in that top 10 and creeping in maybe number six or number seven. Um, We've got Frankie Edgar, Frankie Edgar, sorry about that, who said he's going to come down and he wants a title shot. A guy who, I mean, he's had a lot of title shots in the past, but this is going to be a new weight class somewhere. He's going to be bigger. And he matches up really, really well with Henry Cejudo. He's asking for a title shot. I don't think Frankie is going to be there in two years. So as far as Brad Katona is concerned, uh, that won't, you know, that fight will be out of the way whether Frankie gets um, Cejudo or not. Um, I, I don't think he's got two years left in him. And then same with Dominic Cruz. Uh, Dominic Cruz is going to be back really, really soon. I don't see him. Another guy right now who's in that picture, Uriah Faber, another guy who's right there in that picture, just came off a, a huge win um, coming off after that retirement. Like I said, another guy got, that will probably be gone in two years. And then we got Aljamain Sterling, who rightfully so earns that title shot. And maybe that's a guy that, uh, win or lose, we'll see what happens with Algermain, but maybe we could see those two matched up one day down the road. And then, of course, uh, we got TJ coming back in about a year and a half. He's going to be right in that title mix as soon as he comes back. And a couple other guys. But really, like I said, three of the three of the top six guys in the conversation for fights aren't even going to be here. So that gives Brad some time to get some good, solid wins under his belt, get some experience, and get ready for some of those top guys like TJ or like Cody when Cody comes back next year. Um, so, yeah, but I, anyways, I'm going to take Brett Katona. I think he's going to take this by a decision, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I, he's got a lot, a lot of uh, – he's got a bright future coming up. For him, for sure, as long as his management and the UFC don't push him too fast, too soon, and they let him get some wins. Uh, then we move on to Andrew Sanchez, number 14 middleweight division, taking on Marvin Victory. Uh, Sanchez is 12-4-0, 4-2 in his last six. He's got a win over Khalil Roundtree. Um, I believe that win was the, or I should say, I believe that loss for Roundtree was the fight that made him decide to go over to Thailand and start training over there. And then Sanchez has got a loss to uh, Anthony Smith and Yanez. Neither one of them are are slouches at all. Um, Sanchez did win the Ultimate Fighter 23, the light heavyweight. And then we move on to Marvin Vittori, his opponent, 3-2-1 in the UFC, went to decision um, on his uh, wins. His loss, it is to uh, Israel Adesanya, a guy that, when he came into the promotion, absolutely destroying people up until he met a really, really tough veteran in Kelvin Gastelum. So that is not a fight that uh, anybody should be ashamed of. But Andrew Sanchez does have some more experience against overall 
number of tougher opponents. So I'm going to have to pick him on the decision in this one. Um, but that's going to be a really, really good fight. I think something, uh, especially on these prelims, uh, a fight to keep an eye for. Um, I'm kind of surprised that that fight didn't make the main card or even headline another uh, prelim card, maybe even for a pay-per-view. And then we move on to the heavyweights, Marcin Tybura taking on Augusto Sakai, or Saki. I'm sorry, I'm not sure exactly sure how to pronounce that last name. Marcin is number 14, Augusto is number 15. Tybura went 1-3 and three in his last four. He's got a loss to Derek Lewis and Verdum. Uh, he does have one of those wins is over Stefan Struve. Then Augusto Saki is 2-0 in the UFC. He's got a win over Chase Sherman, real big, strong, hard hitter. And then Andre Arlovsky, veteran with tons and tons of experience. I think Augusto gets this one done by KO. And uh, I think we see him probably rise up a few spots. The heavyweight division is uh, it's exciting right now, but it's a little bit of a mess. So being 2-0 in the UFC at a heavyweight and getting... KO win over Tybura is going to be definitely knocking him up that list um, closer to the top 10, and I think we could see him getting an argument if he gets another two or three more wins, especially at heavyweight. Uh, maybe we could see him take on Derek Lewis and within like the next year, maybe year and a half. Um, that's it for the prelims. Moving on to the main card, we have Misha Kir- Kirkinov, number 15 and. In- Light heavyweight division taking on Jimmy Crute. This is going to be a tough fight. Uh, Jimmy Crute is 2-0 in the UFC. He's got a KO over Sam Alvey. Looked really, really good in his last fight. Um, but Misha, he's got some experience, but KO'd in his last three of four fights against all absolute veterans and one really surprising and Rising Star and Johnny Walker, but those knockouts were against uh, Vulcan Olsdemir, Glover Teixeira, and, again, the Rising Star and Johnny Walker. Another guy who, like I said, I'm going to, just like Brad Katona, they're letting him build up, but I don't think he's ready for John Jones yet, uh, Walker, that is. I'd like to see him probably get two, maybe three more fights. I don't want to see the promotion push him too soon. Because, I mean, who knows how much longer John Jones has got even at light heavyweight. So you don't want to kill off somebody who very well could beat every single other person in the division. So let's try to wait wait out on that fight. But anyways, uh, you know, he finished uh, Kirkenov. Um, I do think Jimmy Crute, because of Misha's KOs in the last few, I think uh, Justin Crute's going to win this one. I do think it's going to be by decision. I don't think he's going to knock him out. Um, Kirkinov has got experience against some tough guys, so I think he's going to be able to weather the storm against a, a newcomer. But I just I don't see Kirkinov getting the win in this one. Again, KO three of the last four. I do think that if he gets knocked out in this one and being KO four or five, the UFC will cut him. Again, this one maybe not so much a financial reason. But just for safety and health reasons, uh, you don't want to see a guy getting knocked out four in the last five fights and then keep him on the roster. Uh, I I do think it's kind of a bad look for the UFC to do that. And um, it won't won't hurt that it helps, you know, ease up some payroll. 
I think he's a guy that's around 70 and 70 show win, show win money. Uh, I may be wrong on that one. I'll have to double check. And then we move on to Uriah Hall, uh, the return of Uriah Hall. Uh, he's been out for a little bit. Uh, he said he's been working on a lot of technique. Um, he's ready to make an impact, um, show all his skills. Uriah Hall, if you don't know or don't remember, he was on the Ultimate Fighter. He was a guy that a lot of people were saying that he was going to be the next Anderson Silva. Uh, he has had, uh, just like Walker uh, is about to, if he does fight um, John Jones next, Uriah Hall was thrown right to the wolves right away. Um, I think he was a guy that um, at the time when he came into the UFC, they needed some stars in the middleweight division, and they fed they fed Uriah Hall to some real, real tough fighters. Uh, like I said, he's two and three in his last five. It's It sucks that they're all by KO, but they are by, you know, all top five fighters. Um, definitely no slouches there. Guys who have gone on to win titles, fought for titles, or had title eliminator fights, um, lost to uh, Costa, Mustafi, and Brunson. Uh, there's really no shame in, in those extremely tough fights. But, you know, getting KO'd that many times um, in the last recent fights, it, it's tough to keep the guy around after this, but he is a huge name. I don't want to sound like I'm a double standard when talking about Uriah Hall, comparing him to Misha Kirkenoff. Um, I just think uh, Uriah Hall has had tougher fights than what Misha has and or has had. And I think if this fight goes the distance and Uriah Hall looks good, I think the UFC will definitely keep him around. I don't think we'll see him go anywhere. Uh, and I don't think it will really hurt his stock too much if he loses a decision. Um, I'm rooting for Uriah, uh, Uriah Hall, big uh, fan, but... Anyways, Carlos Jr., he's 5-1 in his last six, four submission wins. Um, very, very technical on the ground. Um, and he's got good hands. He keeps a good jab. We'll see how he goes against Uriah Hall. This is going to be his first big test, and we'll see if Antonio Carlos Jr. is the real deal. He's ranked number 13 right now, but I think uh, this win will get him close to the top 10, especially now uh, – it just broke the, I want to say, last night. Um, Jacare is moving up. He's going to be taking on uh, Jan Blachowicz. Um, following in the footpath of none other than Luke Rockhold. So I really hope uh, Jacare is is preparing very well. I'm sure he is for that fight. Um, don't want to see too, you know all these middleweights or any weight class move up and then get starched like that because it really hurts the argument of the safety that myself and, and many others are saying, hey, fight at your natural weight class. Try to be safe about your career. But then these guys are moving up and getting knocked out, and it's it begs to differ the, uh, the validity of weight cutting hurting versus helping. Um, and then again, we got Chris Weidman going up really, really soon here too. But anyways... The Uriah Hall-Carlos uh, Jr. fight, I I don't really have a pick for this one. I think that's a pick em fight. Kind of root for who you, who you want to see around in these next couple of years and who you want to see fight. Um, again, I can't really pick between that one. That's a, that's a tough tough fight. Uh, we'll have to check out the betting lines getting closer uh, to weigh-in day um, on Friday. And then we move up to 
a return of a very scary heavyweight, Todd Duffy. Um, every single one of his fights have been by KO. He is 9-3, and three, but four years off, I, we've seen what happens with guys at the extreme high level, high level, what happens when they come back. Uh, Nate Diaz, absolute veteran. We've seen what he looked like three years off, and he looked better than he's ever looked in any fight. Um, Dominic Cruz comes back, wins the title. And there's a few, definitely a few other examples out there, but those are just some names that are of recent history and names everybody should know. Uh, I really think that Todd Duffy, as long as he has been working on good head movement, kind of a guy that will stand there and just punch with you, he's a scary, scary guy. Uh, taking on Jeff Hughes, um, lost his UFC debut. It was via split decision, though, but I just – I'm putting my money on Todd Duffy on this one. The guy, every time he got in the cage – Similar to, I'm drawing a blank right now, Francis Nagano, uh, a guy that you just did not want to get hit by. And uh, Todd Duffy was that guy a couple of years ago. So I'm going to be rooting for him in that one. I think he's going to finish it by KO. And I and I really think it's going to happen in the first round. Uh, then we go up to the co-main event, light heavyweight bout, Glover Texera taking on Nikita Krylov. Krylov is one and one in the UFC. He did come from Bellator. He's twenty five and six overall. Uh, he's ranked number thirteen. Um, again, the light heavyweight division is kind of a, a little bit of a mess. You know, being ranked number thirteen at one and one, uh, a little surprised by that. But again, not a whole lot of uh, top guys right there. And then Glover, um, he's fought the who's who in the light heavyweight division. Uh, I'm going to take him by KO. He's just got so much experience. 17 KOs, eight submissions. Uh, maybe he uses his hands to get it down to the ground and, and gets a submission. But I would not be surprised if this one doesn't go past the second round. Uh, Glover's going to be looking to uh, really make an impact. Uh, he's getting towards the end of his career. Um, and just like I was saying for Johnny Walker, um, I don't want to see Walker fight John Jones right now. But, um, you know, there's some tough fights out there that both Glover and Walker and so on could have um, before getting maybe ever back to that title picture. Glover, I don't think a title shot with John Jones still at light heavyweight is even possible. But if he, if he knocks out number 13, a guy coming over from Bellator and finishes him in, in, in great fashion, um, he can move move up a couple spots. Uh, then we go on to the main event. Uh, we got Donald Cerrone taking on Justin Gaethje. This is at lightweight. Donald Cerrone ranked number four. Justin Gaethje ranked number five. I am going to ramble on about this one a little bit. I might jump around, so I apologize. But if this fight was four fights ago, there is no question I'm taking Justin Gaethje to win this fight, even if it was his first fight in the UFC. Coming in, taking on Cerrone. Cerrone, historically, anybody that's followed his career, is very, very slow to start off. First round, he usually, for some reason, is always taking it off. Um, and guys that are able to capitalize and put the pressure on, like Justin Gaethje, have capitalized on that and put Cerrone away. Um, go back and watch any of the fights that he's had that were losses um, up to recently. And that's where I where I say if this fight was four fights ago, um, I think it would be 
a hell of a matchup, and I really think it would have been somewhat lopsided in Gaethje's favor. Uh, Gaethje is 2-2 two and two in his last four. He's got a KO over James Vick and Edson Barbosa, but he does have KO losses to Poirier and Alvarez. No shame in losing to either of those guys, um, both fantastic mixed martial artists. Their hands are spectacular. But then they also have wrestling, leg kicks, and so on that they implement in their game plan. And that experience and technical skill um, was just a little too much for Gaethje. I don't see Gaethje finally reverting to a little bit of his wrestling abilities. He says he's a guy that wants that bonus. He wants that knockout. But at this point, if he's going to stay in the UFC, if he wants to even sniff that title, um, he really needs to start showing more of his his repertoire and, and executing some of those uh, some of that wrestling skill. Cerrone, like I said, pre those last four fights, these last four fights have been absolutely spectacular. I think we see a whole new Donald Cerrone. Uh, I'll take it all the way back to four fights ago, um, especially with that fight uh, four fights ago all the drama going on between Cerrone and Jackson Wink Jim, uh, Mike Winklejohn picking his fighter, well, I should say the new fighter in the gym, Mike Perry, over working with Donald Cerrone. There was some bad blood there. Cerrone left. And funny enough, Perry left too, went back to Florida. So was it a mistake to pick the new rising guy that's going to um, put on exciting fights to keep in your corner and really piss off your veteran. Eh, it's kind of a toss-up, but Cerrone was a great ambassador for that gym. Yes, he's got his own gym out of his ranch, but he still would go in, you know, those last couple of weeks of training camp and and be over at Jackson Wink and fine-tuning um, and game-planning with them. And I really think – him and a slew of other fighters have really were the reason why so many great fighters have went there. They're only being there for a very long time now. Um, but that's a whole different story in itself, and we can do an entire podcast just on, on that fight, the buildup and everything. But anyways, Perry, a guy that comes out swinging. Um, he tried putting the kryptonite to what Cerrone's game plan is. Come out fast, swinging, and put the pressure on something that people in the past that beat Cerrone with. Perry was not able to do it. Cerrone showed absolute masterpiece skill over Hart, uh, the Hart being Perry in that fight. Um, there was a big chip on his shoulder. I believe that was his first fight with his son at, uh, in attendance as well. Um, and then, obviously, the drama. And let's just face it, Cerrone's just got so much experience Skill-wise, he's leaps and bounds better than Perry. But Perry's an absolute savage. Um, he went on to have a great, great fight against uh, Vincente Luque um, just in his last fight. I mean, the guy gets kneed in the face and keeps going, broken nose and all, just shattered. Um, but it's a fight that Cerrone showed he changed something in his game, in his, uh, in his encyclopedia of fight book. Uh, he showed... He can weather storms now of that instant pressure, and he showed it in that fight. And then the very next fight, um, what I referenced back to earlier, Alex Hernandez, a young guy who's got a lot of skill, um, very, very sharp, 
flashy stand up, real big kid for light uh for uh for the weight class. Um but just pushed too soon, like Darren Till. And I don't wanna see like I said on the on the past fight with Brad Katona or Johnny Walker, I don't want to see them pushed to the to the top of the food chain too soon. Um, but Alex Hernandez, he wanted that fight. He made some remarks in the in the press conference about how Cerrone's a washed up old man. Um, obviously, just to build the fight, but it was definitely in poor taste against a veteran who doesn't trash talk. But he was trying to use that to get in his head, and then came out swinging. Um, something like what Nate Diaz when he fought Cerrone, a lot of the some of the trash talk and the middle fingers at the weigh-in and knocking the hat off. Uh, Cerrone fights his best when he's happy. So Hernandez was trying to piss him off and get in his head, and it just didn't work. And, again, Cerrone showed an improvement there, too. Hey, you're not going to get in my head. I'm done with that. Um, You know, I've got a kid now. I'm fighting for my family, fighting for the future. And it's not just a fight to fight and collect a paycheck. And he showed Hernandez that, you know, you've got some time to grow before you're at that level. so, again, he proved it two fights in a row, and then he takes on Ally Aquinta. Um, it's a little bit maybe of a sarcastic joke, but it's true. How good is Ally Aquinta? He took that fight with Khabib for five rounds. That fight, um, if you go over and listen to MMA Beyond, that uh, that show has got Ray Longo, Ally Aquinta's uh, head instructor, on there. And he said that that fight against Khabib was talked about being not the main event, and then bump down to just three rounds. Uh, go and listen to that, find that episode. Uh, back around that time frame, uh, was a year, year and a half ago or so, uh, go back um, about that long ago on their podcast, search the episodes, read the descriptions, and you can find them where they're talking about that. Great listen, lots of insight from Ray Longo on that one. Um, but Ally Quinta, I mean, he takes the fight on like 13 hours notice to go five rounds with a guy who he's previously said he's scared of. And maybe not scared of, of, oh, I'll never fight him, but scared of, of, hey, I'm going to need a full training camp, I'm going to need to prepare with the right guys, and I'm going to need to get paid. And when offered the fight, he said, you know what, screw it. He took it, and he went five rounds, something nobody else is doing. And uh, most recently, Dustin Poirier. I mean, we've seen what happened. It could be looked amazing. But back to Cerrone. He fought that uh, that same Ally Aquinta, a guy who is absolutely game ready. He just came off a fight that rose his stock even on a loss, and confidence through the roof. And it just showed how skillful Cerrone really is. And then, unfortunately, you know he goes and fights Tony Ferguson, who is top three, maybe top four greatest lightweights of all time, Tony Ferguson. Uh, in my eyes, I still had BJ Penn at number one. Number two, uh, you can make an argument for Khabib. Um, and then I'd ha- probably put Frankie Edgar there because he's got those two wins. Or I'm sorry, I believe three wins over BJ Penn. Uh, the first one being when BJ was still in his prime, though, um, and took the belt from him. And then you got to have Tony Ferguson. And I think uh, the next fight with Tony Ferguson versus Khabib, I think the winner of that one will take the number one spot on the overall greatest lightweight fighter of all time. 
And Donald Cerrone was looking fantastic in that first round. Tony is just a guy that he has the gas tank, and he's got the same – he's as skillful as Donald Cerrone, but he just puts on a poker face when he gets hit, and he's a wild man. And he's a wild man with technique. And Cerrone can be that same way, but it just got a little bit of too deep water, and then he blew the nose in between rounds, and the fight was stopped. But I cannot take anything away from Donald Cerrone for a loss against Tony Ferguson, much like Eli Quinta taking a loss against Khabib. I mean, the guys, those guys are definitely in the top four greatest lightweights of all time, being uh, Khabib and Ferguson. So a loss to them is nothing to be ashamed of. But his years of experience in showing technical abilities in a well, well-rounded game for Cerrone, and and like I said, improving that first round jitters or whatever it is, it's gone. And the guy looks fantastic coming out in the first round. And then the mental warfare, it's just not going to be there. And Justin Gaethje isn't really one to talk trash, so I don't think that's going to be an issue anyway. But I'm going to have to go with Donald Cerrone in this one. Fourth round KO over Justin Gaethje. Um, I just, Gaethje has not shown that he's willing to use all of his skills predominantly his wrestling that we hear so much about, but we still haven't been able to see. Um, and then the guy's two and two in his last four. Um, I mean, all KOs, his uh, last two, uh, you know, KO losses. I don't think a KO loss for Justin Gaethje, the stock is just so high. Um, and I really think that this is going to be a war, but I think a war of skill and Donald Cerrone is going to overcome that. And, by that third and fourth round, I really think he's going to have Justin Gaethje completely figured out, and that's where he's just going to pick and choose where he's going to throw his shots, and uh, I think he's going to finish him. Conor McGregor. Justin Gaethje completely called him out, called him a terrible mixed martial artist, terrible father, terrible husband, terrible human being. Um, there is a war of words there, and we know – that really is a perfect matchup for Connor to come back to. A guy that will not take him to the ground. A fight that is going to be a stand-up fight, probably no matter how bad it gets, uh, Gaethje will stand there with him. And, hey, Connor lost. To, yeah, he lost an ATS, but get, you know, got submitted. But that was a fight that went to the ground. And, yes, that went to the ground because Nate was just unloading on punches and Connor went for the takedown. But in their second fight... Um, whether you score that fight correctly, how it went, or you disagree with the decision and gave it to Nate, either way, Connor showed championship heart in that fight. Um, he showed masterful skill in his fight against Eddie Alvarez. And, hey, not for nothing. I mean, look how look how Poirier just did against Khabib. Connor McGregor did better than that, and the guy's got no ground game. He was actually able to stuff quite a few takedowns, and got back up. And that was in a training camp where he and his coach both said, hey, the whole camp, all we worried about was the takedown. Let's see Connor come back, fight a stand-up guy who will strike with him. He doesn't have to worry about the takedowns, doesn't have to spend a whole training camp. And maybe we see that fire come back. Whether you like or hate the guy, um, I'm a little bit indifferent on it, but I do like that he brings eyeballs to the sport. This is something that uh, – a sport I love, and I want to see as many people watching enjoying as possible. And Counter is a guy that, you know, brings positive media attention when he's in the cage. 
Now, when he's out of the cage, it's you know that's a whole different story. Maybe uh, if you guys want to hear it, we can talk about that. Maybe we have a couple people on and, and discuss things that have happened out of the cage and, and so on. But I don't really like to talk about too many things that are negative. Um, and then Donald Cerrone. Uh, I cannot remember. I'm sorry. I'm just going off the top of my head. I did you know just thought about this, but Cerrone versus Connor. The fight is there. Um, at the press conference, I, I can't recall, like I said, I'm sorry. It was either leading up to the Aldo fight or leading up to the Alvarez fight. But at the summer press conference, they were both sitting there, and Donald Cerrone offered um, Connor to come up to 155. And he said something along the lines, hey, come up, come up and fight where the big boys play or fight or something along those lines. And uh, Connor jabbed her back, back and forth, and, hey, it's two fan favorites. No matter what, Connor's going to sell pay-per-views, probably never to the extent of what he did with Khabib or with Nate Diaz again, unless those fights are with those two particular guys. But for sure, Connor's going to come back and sell a million pay-per-views. Um, and then with a guy like Donald Cerrone, maybe he hits 1.2, 1.3 million. Because you got to remember, Cerrone is another huge fan favorite. Even Ayo Quintus said that um, after his fight, he was shocked how many people were chanting Cerrone in the fight. And he did say that that messed with his head a little bit, but nothing to take away from uh, Cowboy on that one. Um, e- either way, if Gaethje is able to beat Cerrone or Cerrone wins this fight, like I'm predicting, um, next fight against Conor McGregor is a fantastic matchup because both guys will stand there and trade with him. And the winner of that fight could very easily take on the winner of Khabib and Tony Ferguson. Anyways, those are the fights coming up this Saturday. It's a it's a very interesting card because, like I said, I do think we're going to see a few fighters get released from the UFC for a multitude of reasons, uh, too many KOs, too many losses in a row. Um, and then, again, with the numbers being a little bit down, but the overall platform getting bigger, I don't know. It depends on who you listen to. You listen to Dana White. They're at the highest they've ever been. Um, but if you look at the numbers in black and white, it's not quite the case. Um, So I think we're going to see some changes from that, which unfortunate for the fighters, but it's, there's always changes going on in in the sport. Uh, Maybe we'll see them over Bellator or PFL uh, one championship somewhere else if they do not choose to retire. Um, Anyways, that is all I've got now. Please follow, like, give a five star wherever you're listening to this. We are on YouTube, Spotify, Radio Public, Stitcher podcast, iTunes, and Google Play. Uh, Google Play I'm having a little bit of issues with, but it says that we're loaded up on there. For some reason, I'm unable to find it. But comment, leave uh, leave a like, five-star review, tag some friends, and then go on Instagram. Uh, please tag your friends. Share some of our stories to them. Tell them to give us a follow. We're covering all the, all the news going on in the MMA. Uh, I'm going to start doing this twice a week now talking about the fights, along with the interviews that I've got going on. Um, but I'm going to do a pre-fight, just like I am right now, and then I'm going to do a post-fight. And, and, hey, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I can talk about it, and we'll talk about how the card went. And I'm going to talk a little bit more than just the fights. Uh, I want to talk about how is the judging, how is the refing, um, and kind of just overall everything. And then I definitely will wait until after the post-fight press conferences that happen. I know a lot of people don't listen to them, so I'll discuss on on some highlights that are talked about there as well. Um, And then 
again, tag some friends there. And then interviews that I've done, go check them out on all those platforms I just mentioned. I had one with Jake Shields. Uh, it was only right about 18, 19 minutes. Um, we went back and forth for a couple of weeks, and then he got injured, and he was planning on uh, going to Australia where he's at now. I didn't really want to take up too much of his time, so I kind of just did a rundown on quite a few fights. Um, just, hey, you beat this guy, this guy, this guy, and so on. I really wanted to dive in deep and talk about those in particular and then a few other things, but I just didn't want to take up too much of the time, uh, the time from him because I, I was just appreciative to have, have the time that I did. And then I talked to Coach Boss over at the training lab, the right-hand man to Coach Kale. If you're in athletics or you just enjoy working out, it's a fantastic listen. But if you're just somebody sitting on a, at a desk or doing construction Go take a listen to that, too. I, there's a lot of interesting uh, information. Uh, I asked him about uh, his thoughts on kids working out, at what age, and and so on. Um, some insight there. Everybody is, like he said, um, be, uh, you know, person-to-person basis. But they got a great online presence now. They're building a, a great platform there. You can do a lot of uh, enrolling in things online. So if you do go check that out, use promo code SPECTATOR to take advantage of any of that. Uh, go back and listen to that interview, though. Uh, I believe it's only about 42 to 45 minutes. Um, but it was a great listen. He's a very insightful man, uh, gave great answers. And then I do ask him about the T.J. Dillashaw situation. Uh, we talked privately, um, but I wanted him to answer what he felt he was comfortable with doing because it was a decision between T.J. and Coach Tail and what they said and uh, coach boss Matt Busan is, you know, in that situation, an outsider of their private conversation. So, um, but I do touch on it and it was something I wanted to ask him about. And then most recently, Justin Buckles, former head coach over at team alpha male fought in the UFC um, and a few other promotions. What a wealth of knowledge and just a, a Wikipedia of a mind of fighting. Um, the guy can just spew off fights and, um, he definitely has got a lot of knowledge. But anyways, he's opening up his own gym. It should be open pretty soon. He's running some deals. Uh, MFI Gym over in uh, West Sacramento, so he's staying in town. Going to be right next to his rivals. He's in West Sacramento. Team Alpha Males in East Sacramento. But if you're looking to train with a world-class trainer, I mean, uh, Justin Buckles brought 16 world titles to Team Alpha Male while he was the head coach what he infamously called the Summer of Tam on his podcast, Stud Show Radio, which will be back very, very shortly. Uh, he's in the works on bringing that back right now, too. Um, he's still working with Cynthia Calvillo. She's over, I believe, in Thailand and then, uh, you know, training for a fight. And then when the gym's open, she'll be doing finishing up her training camp over at MFI with Buckles, um, who will always be in her corner. And he's got some exciting fighters and stuff going on over there. But we talk about his rise into the into the sport, his time at Team Alpha Male as a fighter, a coach, head coach, and his departure, and then uh, these new ventures he's got going on. Um, again, sorry to ramble off, but that's just kind of what we got going on. Thanks again, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. 